Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. And welcome to another episode of Franchise You. With me today, I have Jean and Yolanda Camarina. And they are two really incredible people. So Jean is president of La Raza Pizza, and they have business interests in Pizza Hut, Marriott, banking, and real estate development. That's a lot. Yolanda's career has been in higher ed administration. So she has been involved in higher ed for, I think she told me, almost 40 years. Both Jean and Yolanda are really strong proponents of education. They both earned master's degree from Harvard. Um, Yolanda is a founding member of the Journal of Hispanic Policy. She's president of the board of the Kansas Hispanic Education and Development Foundation. She's chair of the Schools and Scholarship Committee of Harvard and serves on several grant foundations in their hometown of Wichita. Jean has also been very involved in education as the chair of the Hispanic Scholarship Fund, which provides in excess of $30 million in scholarships annually. And that's just a small, small bio of their accomplishments. This year, they were both inducted in the Wichita Hall of Fame in the business community. And I honestly could spend our entire 30 minutes telling you of all their accomplishments, but I think you all might wanna hear from them instead. So Jean and Yolanda, thank you for being here. And I have read so much about your accomplishments and the way that you give back. Could you both start off by telling us a bit more about your personal passions? We'll let Yolanda, we'll let Yolanda start on that. She's um, so go ahead. He's the franchisee. I do more of the community stuff. Um, for me, it started way back when I was starting in in uh, in college. I'm a first generation student. Both my parents. Um, had like seventh to eighth grade, um, you know, um, education. And so as much as they encouraged us that education was important, it was difficult for them to guide us. And so when I started, I just knew how difficult it was to navigate college and, and figure it all out without having much knowledge. So I always said that if I ever got to a position in which I could help someone else not have to have that experience of confusion and, and uncertainty that I wanted to do that. That's where I kind of found my calling in higher ed administration in, um, in student services and admissions and academic advising and things. And, and it was to guide students, particularly first generation students and Hispanic students in seeing um, you know, having that support, having somebody who can support them. And that's kind of been my passion forever. And knowing that education is really the cornerstone to a successful life and to personal wealth for their families, for themselves, and what they can contribute even to the community. And so my, just Kate, from being really first generation and knowing that how important that is to, um, to support our, our youth now uh, at, at this point in our careers. For me, I wanted to be a doctor when I first started in college, and I realized quickly that I hadn't taken enough biology and chemistry in my high school years. And so that, I think it was the third semester chemistry class kind of said, hey, Gene, you probably ought to think about doing something else. So I moved into the business side of, of for, for academics and, and loved it. Always wanted to own my own business. And there was a kind of a turning point 
after I was out of undergraduate for about four or five years. Uh, and I said, you know, if I wanted to, if I want to start my own business, what do I do? It's uh, I can either go back to school to get more education or go work for a uh, somebody who owns a business. And I decided to go back to school. But but the passion was still there about being my own, being the, the, a business owner, obviously also having a family. And uh, we've got two daughters, uh, one of them that works in our business now, which is which is wonderful for me. It took me 10 years to convince her to do that. She is with us now and, and uh, she really enjoys it. So really family, and our faith, we're you know, part of a big Catholic family and, as well. And, and also then the business kind of is a third part of what we do, but uh, certainly passionate about all three of those things. Yeah, I have definitely read about that. And so Gene, since we're really focused on franchising, could you tell us a little bit more about your work with Pizza Hut and Marriott. And I know you had told me earlier you'd grown your business and now you are, you've downsized a little bit, but you're still very involved and you still own quite a few of, of both. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Out of graduate school, I went to work for Pizza Hut Corporate, which was still headquartered here in Wichita. They were part of the uh, of PepsiCo at that time. There was an opportunity to work close to my, my hometown was a Fortune 500 company. So I came back to Wichita and started to work there. And I noticed that my job at that time was buying back pizza franchisees across the country uh, to develop delivery, the delivery business. And what the thing I noticed about the franchise owners that I met is they're all very happy. <laughs> they liked what they did. They made a lot of money. <laughs> and I said, you know what? This might be a really great opportunity for me at some point. So I, I found these eight restaurants in the panhandle of Texas that were half of them were, were losing money. And I put a proposal together and took it into to the president of Pizza Hut at the time, uh, Steve Reinemann, who went on to, to run PepsiCo and said, hey, I want to buy these. And um, and of course, you know, when you do something like that, you you kind of you're turning in a proposal, but you're kind of turning in your resignation at the same time because it's pretty obviously, well, if you want to do that, maybe you don't want to work here anymore. So that's really how I got into the, the pizza that side. And he, and he was a big proponent of uh, for that. And so we made that happen and then grew that business in Texas and New Mexico to 20 restaurants. And then, you know, 10 or 12 years later, we bought the Indianapolis market which was 50 plus restaurants and, and, uh, and, and ran all you know, 70 plus restaurants for 15, 18 years or so. About three or four or five years after we started the pizza business, we had an opportunity to, to become a, a Marriott franchisee. And what's interesting is that once you're in a national brand of franchise, it's often easier to get into another national brand franchise opportunity, not only because you've got an experience running multiple locations, but, you know, at that point in time, we'd built up some, some equity in the business and had some banking relationships, all those things that it takes to, to expand and grow your business. And we thought the Marriott brand was something that diversified our portfolio of companies. So that maybe when one business isn't doing well and the other does, and it that played out really amazingly well during this pandemic. Uh, so we started on the Marriott side as well, and, and built that up. Had a portfolio of those hotels like Pizza Hut, 
the number one brand in their category, uh, which was important. And it's important for us whenever we look at opportunities, where are they ranked? How's the franchisor in terms of supporting franchisees? And and both companies do a really nice job of doing that uh, for their franchisees. And so we grew that business as well. We were a Burger King franchisee for a while too. Wasn't a long stint uh, in that business, but uh, learned a lot of things as well. And what it did help us do is, is focus on those two brands. And, that, and really from a franchise side, that's really all we've done going forward was just Pizza Hut and Marriott and keep our our, uh, our business successful. So you saw franchisees as happy and rich. So is, do you still <laughs> feel that way? <laughs> well, you know, let's say they, they seem to be enjoying themselves. And, and, gotcha. and I've not met many uh, either Marriott or Pizza franchisees who haven't seemed to me, at least in my opinion, performed fairly well financially. So two great brands. And then I have to ask, you make it sound so simple that there were eight restaurants that you put a package together to purchase. And I know one of the largest barriers, particularly for those starting and particularly for underrepresented people of color and women is how do you get the capital to get started? So would you mind my asking what you did to put together that? Yeah, well, I got every little piggy bank that I had in the in the house and got all the change. You know, I, I've got a business partner that and we got family members together and we literally just uh, as far as the uh, the equity piece of the, of the business was we said, hey, this is an opportunity that we think will be beneficial for all of our for both of our families. And, and so a lot of the equity that went into it were our own personal savings, were really all of our personal savings, as well as family members and that. And then one of the things I'll tell you about education is that going to a bank, when you've got an undergraduate degree and a master's degree, and both both me and my partner had both, both of those, that's, that goes a long way with people who are lending you money. And so I think if you're going to be in business for yourself, having that education and and showing, um, you know, a personal commitment to educating yourself goes a long way with convincing people to loan you money. We've used that same bank for for the last thirty plus years, and so it was it was the start of a really good relationship, uh, and and uh, so it, it 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 worked out well. You know, Gene, that's a very interesting learning about the education, and you were quite modest. You said two two well established. Schools, I think they were very well established. If, I, if my memory serves me right, it sounds like seems like it was Kansas and um, Harvard. So yeah. very well established um, universities, and that's an interesting point that I don't think people understand. Is that also demonstrates a willingness to work hard, and that you're probably a very credible person to lend to. I would think. Yeah, so, absolutely. It, it's you know, I think any time somebody's going to spend four to six years of their lives, you know, full-time learning. It shows a commitment to, uh, you know, bettering themselves. And obviously you're probably going to pick up some good things you can use while running your business if you're studying business and economics and those sort of things. Well, I know folks will probably think I baited you on all this education, but I didn't. This is exactly who the two of you are. And so Yolanda, of course, your passion and your work has been in education, but you all have made that really come together, even with your franchising business. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? 
Uh, sure. I think it's important, and Gina, was, Gina and I talk about this a lot, and we've also talked to other groups about um, it's not just the one person, but when you are together like this, that it, it is a sacrifice that's made on both parts, uh, especially when you're first starting. Uh, I remember Gene came to me, and I had no idea at that time that he was even interested in becoming a franchisee. And I remember he, he came home one evening and said, um, what would you say if I quit my job and I buy these pizza huts in the panhandle of Texas, like outside of Amarillo, Texas? And I just kind of looked at him and I said, well, I said, first of all, you know, we have a two-year-old <laughs> and you know that I'm two months pregnant. And um, in fact, it's so interesting because for every project he's ever done, I always ask him the same question. What's the worst that can happen to us? <laughs> you know? And he said, well, we get to keep the house. We'll keep a car. We, we both are working. I said, well, that's the worst that can happen to him. I'm okay with you taking this chance. I said, because that's what we're doing now. And I think, um, and he's always smart because like you said, he goes, I had already checked out the bankruptcy laws before we even got started. So I would know you asked me that what I could say. And I think it's just one of those things that, um, you know, I knew that's what he went to school for. I knew that's what he always wanted to do. And sometimes um, that sacrifice is well worth it. Never knowing where you're going to end up, but always knowing that it's so important to take that chance, take that risk, because you don't know what's what's ahead of you. Um, I think it's important when you are making those decisions that you take your family and, and everything else into consideration, because it is um, a, a leap of faith, but it's a leap of faith with each other. Right. And I think that's, that's kind of the biggest um, takeaway in him starting these franchisees and just knowing what that all meant. And, and, um, and knowing, you know, that there was going to be sacrifices. I mean, what people don't understand is when you get started, they always see how successful you are at the end, but they didn't realize that, you know, we have a new baby coming, we were sacrificing. Uh, Gene had to leave his, the business was in Amarillo, Texas. He would leave every Monday morning and he wouldn't come home till Friday evening. And he did this for almost 10 years and things. And so there you do make your sacrifices with, you know, your family and things, but we made it work. You know, we, we made it work, but we still could keep the family together and still have that support, you know, support his dream as well as supporting what I was needing to do or wanting to do as well. And, you know, those sacrifices come and go, and sometimes it's your turn and sometimes it's his turn. So, you know, it just depends. So it, it, it's been a, a good run. <laughs> and you have done a lot of giving back. I read about a very large gift you gave last year for scholarships. That is really impressive. And I believe that was to your alma mater, Yolanda at Wichita uh -huh. State. And so if you don't mind my saying, I think you gave a million dollars in scholarships, which is unbelievable. So um, I know they are so appreciative and what a difference you've made for so many. So not only within your business, but outside of that, that you now have been able to give back in a very large demonstrable way, as well as with all your time. Kathy, I think we use that the business platform to help us uh, in our community work in terms of funding opportunities for scholarships. And when you own your own business, you do have some flexibility in your time. And so you can use that to mentor. And, and we do a lot of speaking at uh, the high school level, college level to students. And uh, so that's the other great thing about 
being in a business and being with two great franchise companies is that it affords you the opportunity to give back more than than uh, than we would have ever imagined uh, when we were coming up. So we uh, we typically aren't public about those sort of philanthropic efforts, but just the timing of of what was going on in this country and and um, the the fact that our communities, underrepresented communities, need to make sure that we step up as well and support each other. And so this this was a way for us to say, hey, we and this scholarship was was uh, of, uh, the preference for for black and Hispanic students uh, at Wichita State, and, and thought it was really important the timing of this about you know 15, 18 months ago that typically been our where we focused a lot of our efforts for our underrepresented groups and 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 uh, so you know that's not something we did. <laughs> we really <laughs> debated over do we really want to come be, pub decision. Yeah. be public with that sort of an announcement but but I think in the long run with all with the feedback that we got from the community you know supporters and and friends and mentors we I, I think maybe that the timing of that was was right the right thing to do and uh but but it's you know it's, it's always nice to be able to write a check but what i always tell people who want to get involved in the community is that your mentorship your guidance your leadership you're just talking with students it's it's just as important just one conversation can literally turn somebody's life around, giving them confidence, giving them hope, seeing that you grew up like me, you look like me, and you've been successful. Why, why can't I do that? And, and it's, uh, so it's a lot of, a lot of ways to give back. And, and that, you know, this, the, this, the mentorship in, in our opinion is probably the most important. I think we're also the kind that uh, individuals that uh, when we do give, we also want to take part in it. And so, you know, I was involved with um, the selection of all the students who were getting the scholarships. Um, and it wasn't just a gift that was given, I think, which is, which we wanted to know, we just want to have a greater impact, not just for those students, but to really show the importance of diversity and equity and inclusion at all levels. So it also helped with getting a guest faculty member who would come and teach uh, so that they could kind of start getting into, you know, start increasing our diversity within our faculty, um, offering support services for the students that we were going to give the scholarships to so that we could ensure their success um, as they receive their education and things. And so it really was a gift that went across the board that not just helped our students of color, but ensured their success as well. Um, and I think that that was the other important factor um, in this gift that we gave. And that's how you can tell you have experience in higher ed because <laughs> so oftentimes the scholarships are great. It's great to give scholarships, but these students need more than just the scholarship. They need the wraparound services that help them succeed. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. you're knowing that what a gift you are to Wichita State to help them understand that because that part is important as well. So mm -hmm. and then I think about your way of giving back. Think about the communities that you've changed with your franchises and the people you've been able to hire and develop because the role of a manager in a Pizza Hut or a Marriott is a very solid role that takes a lot of different um, abilities and skills. And even in your own business, you're developing people every day, I know. 
Yeah, it's, it's a big, big part of what we do and part of our mission statement you know, starts off with we are a company that uh, first and foremost there to build capabilities for our team members so that they can they can prosper and they can do things not only for our customers but for the community as well. And we, we really believe that. And I've had multiple restaurant managers or area coaches go on to start their own businesses. And, and, we, and they always leave on good terms. And they say, Gene, we learned a lot. And now we think we're ready to do something on our own. And I said, well, that's, if somebody's going to leave our organization, that's exactly the way we want you to leave, where you're going to go do something for yourself, for your family, and that you say you've actually learned some things with us that will enable you to go do that. So, so that's, and that's, I always tell them, that's okay. If you want to leave to go start something on your own? Let me know. I might be an investor. You never know. There, there you go. And, you know, franchising is such a great business model because it allows you to be an entrepreneur, but you have a proven business model that allows you mm-hmm. to really execute it. So how would you suggest people get started in franchising today? Well, first of all, start saving your money <laughs> uh, <laughs> because it's um, sometimes it takes a while and it, and it takes takes capital. So save your money, start building relationships with, with, uh, with people who can maybe be investors in your business and also build relationships with, with banks. Because you're right, the number one um, block for, for most people, especially those from, for people of color, is just the capital uh, and raising the capital. Uh, so that, that, that's the first thing. <clears throat> get some education in business. Get, you really need to, I think, understand how to read a, a financial statement, you know, how to, re- how to, to uh, figure return on investment and, and, and present values and those sort of things, because you do use those in business situations. If you can get some experience in the industry that you want to start a business in, learn from somebody else, like people have done with our companies, um, that's another great way to to, to learn and, and, and be prepared. I might as well start your very diligent and, and determined work habits too, because once you get in the business on your own, it's very different from working for somebody else when everything is dependent on your skills, your dedication, uh, all those things. And, and it's, uh, so just be prepared, be prepared to work hard every day. And every day, every day of the week, not Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday. Exactly. You talked about the um, knowing a little bit about franchising, and that's what our curriculum at UofL is all about, is understanding the model, the legalities, how to build an HR infrastructure, the financial components, because a lot of that is not taught within a franchisor. It may be taught within a business school, but not taught within a franchisor. And we have found, or I've seen in the past, some franchisees stumble because they're just not familiar with the franchising model and and business as a whole. And so you already had that, obviously, from your background, but that that is a good point. So in looking at today, what would you say is the biggest challenge in franchising today? Well, right now, especially in in the hospitality sector, restaurant hospitality sector, it's just that it's staffing. It's finding good good people, really finding uh, anybody at all. It's always been a challenge, um, but now it's just a it's it's a lot more severe. Um, and so, 
we're doing everything we can. We hope the market uh, uh, turns around at some point in time, but now it's, you know, the, uh, a lot of our focus is finding good people. So we have, we have referral bonuses and sign-on bonuses, and we're, we're out in the community searching for good people whenever we see somebody providing great service and talking to them about, you know, opportunities with our companies. All those things are things you have to do these days. And so that's that's probably the biggest challenge. And then the other thing is keeping your your teams motivated and, and encouraged in that. And I, you know, when I first started in this business 30 plus years ago, we were in an era of the kind of command and control sort of leadership where you you're pounding the table a little bit and telling people what to do. And, and I, I figured about 10 or 15 years ago that that really doesn't work anymore. And, and it certainly does at these days. And so there needs to be a really nice balance of accountability and recognition because uh, those things both go a long way. Make sure your folks, your team knows, know what they're supposed to be doing and and how we measure it and how we measure progress. But on the other side, make sure we are constantly recognize folks for doing jobs and doing their jobs well, because that it can get out of balance sometimes. And that's when I think companies get into trouble. So, and then just making the, making the teams feel like they're partners. A, a lot of our profit, a lot of our bonuses uh, are, are based off of, uh, profit sharing from uh, the, the earnings from from the uh, from the individual source. So our our managers, literally, they're the CEOs of their of their individual hotel or restaurant, and they're based off a lot of their compensations based off the earnings of those. And and but you got to make all you always got to make those those compensation packages fair and achievable, and they need to be part of determining what those profit. Uh, bonus plans look like and have input on developing them and and and, and they got to be achievable as well. And I have heard that from almost every person that runs a restaurant or hotel is that the labor market right now is very difficult and people are overworked and they're tired. And even here in Louisville, a couple of brands have closed early to give their folks the night off because they're they're so tired. So I've seen some really different practices, not opening dining rooms, for example, because of labor shortages. And I know delivery is such a big part of the Pizza Hut business that that's probably helped in some ways, but it's probably difficult to find delivery drivers as well. Oh, yeah. And we've we've done all those things. We've, mm-hmm. we've shortened hours. I think about half of our dining rooms are still not open at this point. And there's some restaurants that, you know, we, we can't open until two o'clock in the afternoon because we just don't have the bodies to get in there and, and prepare the food and, and staff the restaurants. So, but we still, it, you know, the other, the other thing we ask is that our customers be understanding yeah. about, you know, just how difficult this business is right now and that a little bit slower service uh, and maybe hours that they're, closing a little early are just part of what we have to do right now just to stay open and, and hopefully more of our customers will be more understanding uh, about those those things because sometimes there can be some tense situations that uh, are not the fault of any of our team members it's just it's just the industry today and, and, the, and the lack of uh, lack of staffing. I always tell my husband, I'm so grateful that people, when they're working in restaurants, that I overcompensate 
by trying to be even kinder because I'm just so pleased that they're there. It's just a, t- it's a tough time for everyone. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. one last question about the franchising model is the franchising model really excelled during COVID. Why do you think that is? It had great success. Well, it's it's interesting that, um, and this speaks to the diversity of of your uh, of your portfolio of enterprises as well. The the uh, uh, on the Pizza Hut side, uh, you know, we've we've had really in 2020. There were a few weeks there that the business was not good, but it didn't last long. And then, as people began to shelter in place, our delivery and carry out business really thrived. And it's both a function of just what was going on in the country, but it was also a function of people going to a trusted brand, a brand they've known for 60 plus years and they can rely on good service and good food. So that's the power of being in a franchise business that's been successful for that many years. On the Marriott side, the hotel side took a bigger hit than obviously the the food side of the business. But Nonetheless, Marriott still, in my opinion, has the, probably the best re- guest rewards program of, of any company anywhere. Um, and we've got a lot of loyal customers. And we, uh, <laughs> yeah, and people use those points to take vacations and that sort of thing. And that's exactly what we want. Um, but it, it's also, if, if you're going to have to spend your money on a hotel, hotel night stay you're going to go with somebody who's established who's who's number one in the business Mm -hmm. in in the industry and so that's where that that marriott brand comes in and our the marriott occupancies are you know always a step above other brands and it's because of the the very demanding and and dedicated uh service to uh to standards and and the brand itself so um we never had to close any of our hotel properties down during the during the pandemic, and had a nice comeback this summer. and And uh, things slowed down a little bit more this fall, but we we're very bullish about you know next year and uh, going forward. Oh, that's so great to hear. So, well, I'll be closing us out with a little bit more on the education piece because you both are so generous in your time, talent, and obviously treasure when it comes to this education. And Jean, I read this quote of yours that if you don't mind, I'd like to say, and then if you both would talk a little bit more about it. You said higher education creates permanent value for our Hispanic students and is critical, not only to their personal success, but also the long-term viability of our community and our country. That's a pretty powerful quote. Would you both comment on that a little more, please? I think uh, the most important thing that we look at, I know with um, the organization I work with, the Kansas Hispanic Education and Development Foundation, uh, one of the things that we really push and under, and and hope other corporate offices, you know, corporations and businesses know the importance of what we do in educating our youth, but also to let them know that we're ensuring an educated workforce. And right now, with uh, the 2020 census that has just come out showing the growth within um, the uh, Hispanic population uh, just ensures even then how the importance is that there has to be a partnership between the private and the public and and uh, and between bringing corporate understanding and um, and also understanding the importance that the community-based organizations are going to have in developing uh, our young, you know, youth 
who are going to be your future workforce and ensuring that it's going to be strong, it's going to be educated, and it will be uh, ready to advance your um, your company. And, things. and Jean is really big on that, and we both are. And now that you see diversity, equity, and inclusion offices kind of all over, you know, what does that really mean and what's the importance that that's going to have in the future that we're seeing? Yeah, it, it's, you know, the demographics are, it's they're pretty, uh, pretty clear that, you know, this country is going more diverse every day. And so educating our young people, especially, uh, you know, students of color to, to be the next our doctors, our lawyers, uh, you know, our electricians, our plumbers, all, all those different things. It's it, it's just uh, it's an imperative that we educate, uh, you know, every generation, but, but certainly uh, give people uh, opportunities to access college and technical trades, all those things. That's really the focus. It's is us providing those opportunities uh, through, through, again, mentorship, scholarships, that sort of thing. But I guess our motto, uh, Yolanda and I's motto, is a college degree in every household. Uh, and that's every household. And, you know, that, I know it's a big dream, uh, but, but, but something that, that you certainly can strive for. And because and, we've seen the power of a college degree in a household. And Yolanda's the first generation. She was first, uh, her and her sister were the first uh, to, uh, to in their family to get college degrees. It's very powerful, not only for the person getting the degree, but think of what that the impact that makes on the siblings, the cousins, the, you know, all the family members that see one person get that degree and they walk down the the uh, during the graduation ceremony and their cap and gown it's just it's a powerful tool generationally uh, and so it, it it's a one and once you get started it it uh, it kind of feeds upon itself and and the other thing is go out and you get a great job I started my career out of graduate school with with pizza corporate I mean it was a fantastic job I learned a great deal and, uh, so that that's where we we focus. It's again. We feel like it's it's an investment in in our students, and it's something that nobody can ever take away from you. You're always going to have that education and that degree, and that opens up a number of doors, uh, opportunities for you to explore. And, and we because we want everybody, all of our students, to to have those opportunities to explore and do different things. And they have. It's amazing what some of the scholarship recipients oh, yeah. have have done, going on to start their own businesses and doctors and attorneys and that sort of thing. So it's pretty gratifying to see that happen. Well, there's nothing I love to talk about more than franchising and education. Those are my two <laughs> hot buttons. So thank you. I'm going to ask you one last question um, before I let you go. And that is, is there anything you wish you had known when you first started into franchising? Well, um, I knew it was going to be hard work, <laughs> but um but it was yeah. it was difficult, and and I think um, if I had to do it over again, I, you know, I, I really spent a lot of time developing the, and growing the business, and and to a certain extent, my life work life balance got out of balance. But from the gene of today, I would say, you know what? Maybe instead of being gone four or five days a week, maybe you're 
gone two or three days a week. Now, would my business have prospered as much? I don't know. But if it hadn't, maybe I would still been okay because of, of uh, being able to spend more time with my with a young family. So make sure for all those young budding entrepreneurs who want to start business, both especially in the franchise side, just make sure you keep that work-life balance in balance because it can it can get out of balance sometimes. And, and the last thing you want to do is sacrifice family time for business time. Ah, that's fantastic. I can't thank the two of you enough, Jeannie Yolanda, and you really are an inspiration to so many of us. So thank you so much. Thank you for all you're doing. Yes. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise You.